It's time for episode 318 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, October 30th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Ah, 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 ah. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that laughs in the face of danger. <laughs> I am your co-host, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my co-host, Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. Thanks for rolling with that. I did not tell you I was going to do a spooky introduction, and you just picked it up and went with it, and that is what I like to see. And now it's time to introduce our awesome guests. To my left is my co-host on Tech News Weekly on the Twit Network, as well as co-host of All About Android and currently This Week in Google, it's Jason Howell. Hello, Jason. Okay, I was wondering if you're going to get it right, because it's not this week of all weeks, it's not just Jason Howell, it's Jason Howell. (laughs) Wow. And to my left, it is the CEO of Emojipedia, the expert in all things emoji, the spooktacular Jeremy Bird. Welcome, Jeremy. Hello, everybody. Thank you. I had a very good primer just before the show on you got to turn your light on to get people to come and trick or treat. I didn't know that. So that's that's new knowledge to me. That is a clockwise tip for you right there. Jeremy Booge. Oh, thank you. I couldn't. I was not. Ah, My brain wasn't going fast enough. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know how this show works. We've got four topics, 30 minutes, and I'm going to kick things off. Uh, My question for you is uh, maybe a simple one, maybe a controversial one. What does your getting things done or your your task management flow look like? I'm curious, do you use apps? Do you use a piece of paper with a check mark? Do you use a calendar service? Do you have a hired uh, llama that, that, that spits at you every time you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing? What is your way for getting things done? Jason Howell, we'll start with you. I don't, you know, I don't know that I have a very specific set way for getting things done. I, I seem to fluctuate. Sometimes an app will come into play and be like, oh yeah, I'll use that for a while until I stop using it. And then it's like, I don't know what I do. I'd say the one constant that I have is probably the worst thing. Many people would probably say it's the worst thing is using my inbox as a to-do list. If I get an email and I've read it, but I need to still do something, I'll mark it unread so that I can get to it later. But then you know the issue there is that it ends up getting swallowed up by a bunch of other emails that are in the same state, and then you, you end up you know dropping the ball, and it's just all so embarrassing. So it's usually that, and then a combination. I've gotten really more into the habit of using my calendar to set moments in time to remember um, tasks even aside from just like, I need to record a podcast at this time, really kind of blocking out time in my day to be like one to three. This is all about Android work time. This is time where I am focused on just this and just the simple act of like blocking that time for a specific task in my calendar is enough to kind of put me into that mind space. I'm always trying to reel myself in. Um, and I'm curious to know what you, what you all have to say because I am definitely open to suggestions. <laughs> um, I use kind of a hodgepodge of things. So like for a to do list, I just use the built in reminders app on the Mac and iOS because it's just, it's always there. It syncs. I know where stuff is. It's very simple, makes entering tasks really quick. 
I don't usually, and they beefed up reminders with the newest version of iOS and macOS. I haven't really used those tools yet um, because I rarely do more than, say, maybe set a date if there's like a particular day something has to get done. Um, and I also use Calendar a little bit for that. And then I I also use my inbox, um, but I I use flags for a lot of stuff. So if there's a an email that's sort of a to do item or a um you know something I need to refer back to or something I'll need to reply to, I will flag it. So um I've got a lot of different systems that sort of combine into one awkward ungainly hole, uh, but so far so good. I seem to actually get some things done. So I guess that works for me. Jeremy, I want to know that you have a, an awesome system that's going to solve all of our problems. Well, I am not a uh, fancy multiple colored flag man like you, Dan. <laughs> I, I use the single red flag for my email. I, I couldn't bear to think of what I'd do with the other colored flags. Either I've got to look at it or I don't have to look at it. I don't need colors. Um, that that's pretty much my my system is basically boils down to getting a lot done or getting nothing done. I'm just I, I can kind of do one thing at a time. I write a list at the start of every day, what I need to do, just free form, just type it all down, and then I obviously start with the easy things first, and then by the end of the day, I copy and paste that onto tomorrow's list because I inevitably have three things at the bottom that I literally never get done. Uh, and that, that's, that's the system. That's the whole system. Sometimes it works great. You feel super, you know, you put on lots of easy things in your system and you feel good about yourself. And then other days you, you know, you get left with the things you really, really need to do. And then you just write that on there and then you write some expletives and other things around it to be like, you really, really, really need to get this done. And I start writing in capital letters all around it to be like, just do this thing, you idiot. I don't have too much of a system set up. I live and die by my calendar. Um, I put my events, pretty much all of my events into my calendar. Uh, and if they're there, then I do those things. And if they're not there, then I, you know, have a tendency to forget that they exist. But, uh, other than that, I have, I do use the do app as a way to, uh, keep track of, of um, things that are pressing and need to happen like in a given moment. Um, and so one of those things is like medication where I do need to be reminded, hey, you need to take this at this exact time every day. Uh, but when it comes to sort of my day to day, it's just a calendar um, and occasionally writing things down. I don't I don't curse at myself, though. So <laughs> uh, other than that, that's that's kind of my thing. All right, folks, thank you so much for your answers on getting things done. Let's move on to our next topic, which comes from Jason. All right. So I was actually thinking about this over the weekend. So I'm so happy this, this episode came along because we can all talk about it. Uh, go back in time. Take a, take a step back in time and describe an event from your earlier life. It could be any time. It could be your childhood. It could be your early adulthood. Uh, some sort of an event that, that was a surefire sign to you and possibly to the world that you loved technology more than the average person out there. When I was a teenager, I want to say 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there, um, I, I'm going to use this term very loosely, I wrote an app. Um, I, I learned how to program uh, with Microsoft, I think it was Visual Basic. Uh, no, Real Basic, Real Basic, that's right, because it was like 1993. Um, and I made this really, really terrible app, and I uploaded it to the bulletin board systems that I frequented. And 
it was a, a very bad like uh, text based app that was about Star Trek <laughs> and uh, and I, I like you know worked yeah you know, I worked sort of my heart on it and I sort of uh, put it out there but it, it ended up being like I, I made it shareware and essentially people like sent me money for it <laughs> um, not not a lot of people and included one where definitely somebody sent me like change. In, in an envelope through the mail um but i feel like that was the point at which i was like you know i've invested enough time in technology to sort of figure out how to make something to distribute it and to get paid for it and i think at that point i was kind of like well this this clearly has a future in it i made enough money to buy like a comic book or something so uh i think that was probably one of the earliest signs for me that i was really invested in this whole technology thing jeremy what about you uh, yeah, I think probably like most of us, hard to pinpoint just one time because I had a pretty nerdy childhood overall. <laughs> so like trying to identify what was the exact time. But the thing that jumped to my mind was uh, may- maybe like yours, Dan, uh, I didn't write any apps. But for whatever reason, I spent my time after hours as a teenager, maybe about 13, reviewing shareware apps like utilities on the Mac. And I wrote the little article for this local Apple user group where the average age was about 70 or so. And my mom was very kind and would take me to these sort of meetings where it was basically a retirement club and me as a a dorky teenager just trying to hang out and get pirated disks of whatever software anyone would be happy to hand around. But uh, yeah, no, I think that that was probably about it when uh, most of my friends were either doing cooler things or even the nerdy friends had like, probably at the time like windows pc with actual games and i had a mac so i was like oh let me let me check out some cool shareware utilities and and write about them and that was probably maybe a prescient look at my future uh, writing about emojis instead i remember that a family member was going through one of those uh programs at at school that it was like a vocational training thing where they were going to become a um, an IT professional and help people fix their computers. And I remember learning a little bit from him about sort of what he was doing at school. And I took that information and started to regularly solve the problems that my family had with their computers. And then it sort of spread from there to helping my friends solve the problems that they had with their computers. And so I quickly became like Mr. Troubleshooter. It was a mixture between achieving the the solution to a complex problem, but then also getting to see the way that the person reacted to having the problem solved and how rewarding that felt to be able to sort of check both of those boxes at once. One, where I felt like I accomplished something, and two, where I felt good about helping somebody get something done. Well, yeah. Uh, so this weekend, I was working out in the yard with my wife, and, and we were listening to music, and the uh, the song, We Built This City on Rock and Roll, came on. So I'm going to date myself with this little story, but uh, it totally brought back this memory. And this is the kind of the idea behind the question was when I was younger, I remember having a little uh, boom box. You know, it was a pretty small boom box in my room and I would listen to, you know, the radio and record Dr. Demento and whatever. It, it was just like and I would record myself talking all the time. And uh, I wanted big stereo uh, speakers in my room, but I didn't have it. It was a little boombox, and so I, I, I just suddenly remembered this 
this time where I broke apart another broken boombox and pulled the speakers out of that other boombox and wired it into the speakers into the boombox that worked in order for me to get stereo speakers on both sides of my bed. And I just remember feeling so accomplished having like jumped through those fiery hoops and laying in my bed and the song We Built This City on Rock and Roll came on the radio. And I remember sitting there going, yeah, it's in stereo now. <laughs> <laughs> and just feeling so accomplished. I was just thinking about that. Like my parents walk into the room and they see these two like Frankenstein speakers sprawled out across the room. That, that thought had to cross their mind. All right. He obviously loves technology if that's what he did. <laughs> Well, folks, we have reached halftime, and I get to tell you about our pals at Linode who are bringing you this episode of Clockwise. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud, and you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Now, it doesn't matter if you're working on your first server or deploying a complex system because Linode is the company you want to go to. They've got the fastest hardware and network with outstanding customer support if you ever need help, and it's super easy to launch a Linode cloud server. In fact, I've uh, taken a trip over to Linode a couple of times to play around, and they do make it very simple to get things going. Plus, their block storage is available in Newark, Fremont, Dallas, Atlanta, Frankfurt, London, and Singapore, and it's soon to be released in Tokyo. Version 4 of Linode's RESTful API is out of beta and includes an officially supported Python CLI. And right now, Linode is hiring. So if you want to learn more about that and check out what they're looking for, all you have to do is head to linode.com slash careers. Now, Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at a gig of RAM for just five bucks a month, but they've got high memory plans starting with 16 gigs of RAM. And Linode has a special offer just for you out there. As a listener of this show, you can head to linode.com slash clockwise and use the promo code clockwise 2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. If we do the math, spooky math, on the one gig of RAM plan, that's four free months. That's awesome. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you got nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash clockwise with the promo code clockwise2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Thanks so much to Linode for their support of this show and Relay FM. And now, Dan, what have you got for us? Well, Apple, of course, this week took the wraps off of its new AirPods Pro. Uh, And my question for you is, uh, whether or not you're an owner of the original AirPods, do these new AirPod Pro, AirPods Pro, man, I'm not going to get that right. AirPods Pro appeal to you? Do they have something that the initial AirPods lacked uh, that makes you want to go out and buy a pair? Jeremy, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I do own my current. I'm an AirPods amateur user, as they are now calling the original uh, AirPods. And <laughs> so I love and use my original AirPods. They, they're excellent. Uh, I don't know whether I mentioned before, I live on a boat at the moment. doesn't have a bunch of storage. So I do currently have my AirPods and uh, a separate set of noise-canceling headphones that I take on, a, on flights. And so the less things that I own, the better. So I guess the only thing I'm kind of concerned about, I love the idea of replacing my AirPods Amateur with the Pro so I get the noise cancelling, but like, I don't normally like those rubber tip ones. 
And then do I have to, you know, if I'm using them every day, I'm only on a flight, not even once a month, whereas every day I'm using the normal one. So I think I got to try them. I got to try them. Do they feel squidgy in my ear? Are they kind of annoying? Because the alternative is buying like a day AirPods and a night AirPods, and I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's so. I don't know. I'm not convinced. I'm just a bit worried about the the ear feel, the in ear feel. I don't know. What about you, Micah? Uh, so for me, I I do have. I've got the first generation of AirPods, um, and one of them completely has stopped outputting sound, and the other one is about fifty percent output. Um, I've I've talked about this on a couple shows and someone in the chat was uh saying well i know this is going to sound gross but there is a way to fix it you suck on the airpod (laughs) until it starts whistling and to that i say nay sir uh that will never be something i ever do i what's that i'm just gonna suggest airpod sucking as a service (laughs) well there's a there's a title now that i move between locations more frequently uh these actually are of interest to me and in fact i've got a pair arriving today um to give them a go and see what they're like uh we'll see if these are you know as good as apple is touting them to be um and yeah go from there what about you jason do do you have airpods hmm Hmm, let me guess no so (laughs) you know i never really cared much for the fit of the original airpods i'm actually uh i prefer the ones that kind of lock into the ear that have the silicone tip and kind of have the seal for whatever reason that works for me i don't i don't get thrown off by the kind of like the, 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 I don't know, the, the pressurized feeling of it. It doesn't turn me off. I always thought the original AirPods just like resting in the ear. It just felt, I don't know. It just felt weird to me. So maybe I'm in the minority as far as that's concerned. I like that they've added noise canceling, uh, to the, the, to, the kind of like true wireless, um, earbuds, uh, approach. I would love to try that out. Um, but you know, I'm on, I'm on Android. I don't know how much that really matters when you're talking about wireless earbuds. Uh, but I really like my Jabra, uh, Elite 65Ts. They have a, a sequel of that that's, that's coming out right now. So I want to check those out as well. But, um, I think this is an improvement though. They've, they've reduced the size of it a little bit. So that little like hangy, uh, white pretzel thing that hangs down, uh, isn't, isn't as obvious. I always thought that kind of looked a little weird too. I don't know. I think ultimately the AirPods, like I've kind of missed that boat personally. Um, but hey, whatever works for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, the original AirPods, I did not really spend a lot of time with because the traditional, the wired earpods, I never liked the way they fit very well. I also don't really tend to like the silicone tipped ones. I don't like the seal that it makes. It, it makes like I bought a pair of uh, earbuds, wireless earbuds, and I was trying them. But I find that like when I even just when I walk down the street, like the vibrations up through my ears just seem so loud that I found it really irritating. Um, so I don't know if these new ones would be an improvement or not. Uh, they do have this like vent feature where it's supposed to like equalize a little bit and not be quite as sealed in some way or, or like let air through. So it doesn't feel like as sealed. So that kind of appeals to me. And I like the idea that it, it can sort of figure out what the right 
fit is, like which of the, the silicone tips you want to use for it. So like that that all appeals to me. I, I have a pair of noise-canceling Bose headphones that I really like for traveling. Um, and, but I tend to be an over, over-the-ear headphone guy and not a uh, an earbud person. So I'm not sure about that. I just, I wish that Apple would make more varieties of headphones for those of us who don't like earbuds. So uh, I don't think I'll, I'm likely to buy a set of AirPods Pro anytime soon, although I've been resisting the temptation to buy a set, try them for a couple weeks, and then return them. Yeah. Yeah, I could do that. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, thank you for your thoughts on that. Let us go to our final topic today, which comes from Jeremy. So uh, I'm uh, staying with my grandparents at the moment today. I'm not on the boat, so I might sound a little bit different. I am coming to you from my AirPods. Not the best for a podcast, but uh, nonetheless, it kind of got me thinking that my grandparents, they use uh, iPads as their primary device, and it's not always super easy for them. They love it, but I'm just sort of wondering whether any of you maintain the tech for older relatives in particular or just other people who might struggle with technology on their phone or their tablet and are there things that you do to make it easier for them or just things that maybe the platform owner maybe apple or google could do to make these sort of work better for say older people or amateur users uh micah the way that i usually will help my grandma um she has over the course of time become quite the incredible uh, tech user herself. And so she handles most of their problems. But when she does occasionally have them, um, I helped her upgrade her uh, iPhone so that she has a, I think she's now running an iPhone 8, maybe, um, or an iPhone, I can't remember which one, but it's, she was on one before that was so far in the past that I did not remember what iOS looked like on it. And so it was harder to sort of walk her through the process. But now that she's on a modern phone, we have the same operating system. And so I use screen recording uh, on the iPhone all the time. I will swipe down, turn on screen recording with the microphone turned on, and then walk her through different steps depending on what it is she needs to do uh, to fix her device. She also has an iPad. Um, it is... I think it's an iPad Pro. Yeah, it's a it's a 9.7 inch iPad Pro, the the last model before the the more recent ones. And uh, same thing there. From my iPad, I will do screen recordings and show her how to solve a problem that she when she has one. And then occasionally, I'll use FaceTime with her if she needs that. Um, for my mom, most of the time I will just send, I can send text messages that have like, go into the settings app, then go into this, then go into this, and you're able to get it. Um, but yeah, I love being able to help them with their devices. I think that vendors could make things a little bit easier, like I said, with the remote access thing. But the again, the problem there is I don't like the idea of someone getting an email that leads to a phishing thing where suddenly they're letting anybody into their device. And that's uh, that's kind of scary. So in a way, I'm kind of happy that that lockout happens there and that I can help as best I can without... Uh, worrying about people being able to take advantage of them. Well, I am definitely in the family, the uh, tech support uh, representative. So, you know, my parents, they live in, they live in Idaho. <clears throat> so I, I visit them about once a year, sometimes twice a year. And at this point, you know, it's, it's pretty common ritual. Like they, they basically just like create a list and like it stockpiles throughout the year. And when I show up, it's like, Hey, son, it's great to see you. I love you. Okay. But here's the things that I, that I need help with while you're here. And my, my approach on that, like I'm, I'm always totally happy to do that uh, because it's usually way easier for me to kind of get in there and figure things out. 
than it is for them to just like live with it and everything. My approach is usually just to like work with them through it and realizing that like 90% of the stuff that I'm probably showing them, they could care less and they probably aren't going to, you know, it's, it's probably not going to change a whole lot about how they behave or uh, on the internet or, you know, their, their practices, that sort of stuff. But I, I feel like over time and, and, and I feel like history has kind of proven this in our family that over time they, they get certain things that I thought they would never get. So, you know, they, they've gotten to be way better users of their technology over the years and the, the complications that have arose, uh, have become a lot less. So I'm, I'm happy with that approach and that seems to be working. And I will say, uh, both my parents, they're on iOS, they have iPhones, you know, I, Obviously, I do all about Android, so I'm all all Android. Um, but I'm really happy that they're on iOS because, quite frankly, like it's it's buttoned down to a point that they they encounter far fewer issues, I believe, with iOS than I think they'd probably run into if they were on some random Android phone. So, um, you know, and it keeps me kind of clued in on uh, how to troubleshoot iOS devices, which uh, makes me realize I don't need to use an OS daily to know kind of the the, the thought processes behind how these OSs are created because I'm always able to figure it out. So, you know, Apple's doing something right there. I am unsurprisingly also the tech support person for my family. Uh, I, I get the list of things to do as well, but my parents only live about half an hour away. So I get it smaller lists more frequently. Um, and uh, so my mom has an iPad and an iMac. My dad has a MacBook I think we bought them a MacBook Pro, um, and then they each have iPhones that my father pretty much never has. Um, um, but my mom actually uses her her iPhone and her iPad quite a bit. Um, so I spend a lot of time, you know, updating stuff when I go over, walking them through, doing certain situations, um, and I'll do some phone stuff as well. But that one is it is hard. I agree with Micah that like having some sort of remote screen viewing, and I've tried to set up solutions for that over the years using. Uh, both when there used to be um, screen sharing via iChat on the Mac and then when they're using a setup like screens. I think one of the best virtues of the Mac, and this sort of harkens back to the uh, Jason's topic about when you were, you know, formative experiences with tech. One of the ways I learned the most about how to do things in tech was, you know, self-taught, but it, so much of it was the fact that the classic Mac OS had a really robust help system and I used to pour through all those help documents. And certainly the Mac still has that, but I think iOS has never quite offered that. And, and part of it is because Apple likes to project that image of how simple and easy things are. Um, and it's true. It's certainly pretty easy. But I, I really wish there were there was a more integrated help feature to help people walk through doing stuff that maybe just like a, a couple steps beyond their comfort zone. Uh, because I think that people do tend to learn a lot about those things uh, by doing them and certainly you can go online and google but like your your results may be pretty mixed when that happens so I, I wish there was a more robust help system in a lot of these more modern pieces of technology because i think too often those companies assume that everybody is like a certain degree of savvy whereas some people just you know they need a little bit more of a helping hand to walk them through some of this stuff so would love to see an investment in that Jeremy, you want to wrap us up here? FaceTime has become pretty inscrutable. It used to have a favorite section. You could just put, you know, the top 10 people there. That's gone. You need to use contacts now. What about just like photos on the home screen? You can do it through shortcuts, but you can't just like put photos to really, you know, just tap tap my photo to call me. That would be handy. 
uh, stop prompting for pin every time that there's a new update. My grandparents, they don't leave the house. Like it asks them for a new pin. What they do is they update their OS. It asks them, hey, do you want to create a pin? They type a pin in. They forget what the pin is. They lock themselves out. You know, there's no way to just say never ask for a pin again. It's always asking about setting up Apple Pay, all these things. They don't know what they are. They're just going to tap buttons to make it go away. Well, folks, uh, that is going to do that. We are very near the end of the episode. But first, I want to thank Kensington, who are bringing you this episode of Clockwise. Kensington, these are the people who make universal docking stations that are designed to increase productivity. You can get access to more ports and make your MacBook, your Chromebook, your laptop as powerful as a desktop. It's plug and play with no drivers, which is so nice to be able to just set your, your device down, plug in a cord, and boom, you've got a full desktop setup. So you can enjoy up to dual 4K displays with HDMI and display link video connectors, plus USB 3.0, USB-C, and Thunderbolt 3 with power delivery available, the whole kit and caboodle. The Kensington engineering team has three decades, three decades of experience in high-volume manufacturing of hardware IT products, plus they do rigorous test cycles and quality control, so all their products are tested above industry standards. If you're an IT decision maker at your company, if you're looking to find the right docking solutions for your organization, you've got to check out Kensington's Pro Concierge program to test drive a docking solution today. All you do is head to kensington.com slash clockwise right now to check out Kensington. That's kensington.com slash clockwise to learn more and find out about these awesome docking solutions. Our thanks to Kensington for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Uh, we have reached the end of the episode. All that's left is to thank our excellent guests. Jason Howell, thanks so much for joining us again. Oh, thanks for the invite. This is a lot of fun. It always is. Appreciate it. And Jeremy Birch, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, everyone. Uh, really good to chat to you all. And Micah, just one quick question before we go. Uh, trick or treat? A trick. Uh, uh, the trick is that the show is over until next week, but we remind all of our listeners out there until then, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Ooh. Goodbye, everybody. Ooh.